0: You're listening to Stidia Cast, a podcast created by Stydia fans, for Stydia fans. This season, we're discussing the final season ever of Teen Wolf, the last time we'll be seeing Stiles Stilinski and Lydia Martin on our TV screens. We hope you'll join us in celebrating and yelling about this season of Teen Wolf and fangirling over that crazy little thing called Stydia. This is Stidia Cast. welcome to this week's episode of City Cast in which we will be talking about Team Wolf 6B episode 4 otherwise known as 614 otherwise known as face to faceless which is the episode that was directed by our very own Lyndon Ashby aka Sheriff Stilinski holy run on sentence batman anyways um we will not be talking about season 6 episode 15 which was obviously played right after 6.14, so if you haven't seen that one yet, then go watch Pressure Test, but this is not spoiler-filled for that episode. All right, let's get started. My name is Rachel, I'm Ron Gazem on Tumblr.
1: Hi, I'm Rosemary, and I'm Row Your Boat on Tumblr. I'm Rachel, and I'm It's Always Lydia on Tumblr.
0: And our special guest for this week is...
2: Uh, Leanne and I'm Lumost on Tumblr.
0: And Leanne, Hi, Leanne. if you don't mind, <laughs> if you don't mind too much, you already know what I'm going to ask. I would love it if you would talk about your recent encounter with Dylan O'Brien. Just whatever you feel comfortable telling us, um, because oh it was gosh. a really wonderful experience, and I would love for everybody to get to hear like the joy in your voice when you talk about it. Yeah, so with like, the class. Share with you <laughs> so tell us about that time last week when you met Dylan O'Brien
2: okay I'll condense it because it's a long story just
0: condense I guess. it condense I it know. like milk um,
2: yeah um so I I went to the American Assassin screening and scored like front row seats somehow um and I just afterwards we walked out front it was and he's so sweet in real life, and he, he does not photograph well. I think because <laughs> he <laughs> truly because like,
1: like as a photographer. She's sitting there in the front row with her nice camera, like, give me your sweat, boy. <laughs> actually,
3: it gives me hope because I look like shit. I look like shit in pictures too. This gives me hope. True. I do too. I do
2: too. But he he just, anyways, just in case y'all are wondering, he's a lot better looking in real life and a lot uh, shorter, which. Uh, isn't bad. I just thought he was. So I'm not mad about this. Of, yeah, because when he's in scenes with Holland, he looks like he's towering, but it's because she's like what five two, five, five three. Two. Yeah, she's oh, taller anyway, than me. Yeah. Anyways, but he. uh I left the theater after he does Q and A, and we walked out front. My roommate, my roommate came with me. and I looked at her and I was like Alexa. I think I need to go back inside and get a drink of water, <laughs> and so I did, and it was the fountain next to our theater, and I just kind of, like, walked down the hallway back into our, where the theater was, and he turned the corner, and I was like, oh, okay, play it cool, and I, like, turned around and walked back out, and I ran into this girl who I'd complimented earlier in the day, and I was like, oh, I like your pants, and she's like, thanks, well." and I was like, oh, my gosh. We had a great girly moment, but I saw her, and she'd been chauffeuring the actors around, uh, like, the whole night, kind of. And I was like, hey, I don't want to picture anything. I just want to shake Dylan's hand and uh, tell him congrats. And she was like, yeah, I think that'd be fine. And she, like, pointed, and I turned around. He was right behind me, and um, I just kind of was like, hi, uh... I just really, I loved that movie, and I thought it was great, and um, I really respect you and your work, and I think that you're awesome, and he was just like, oh my gosh, that, oh my God, that's so sweet, and I was like, oh, well, I just, like, I've been watching you for forever, and then I was like, oh, that's creepy, and he was like, no, no, it's not, and he, like, grabbed my <laughs> hand and was just like, no, it's not creepy, and I was like, okay, and, um then he was, like, n- literally no one has ever told me that they respected me before. It's always just, like, hey, can I get a selfie? And he, like, was so sweet and pulled me in for a hug and uh, was, like, you know, how, like the way I am with people when I talk to them, I always, I'm a feeler, and so I, like, put my hands on people's shoulders and their arms, and he was, like, that with me. And he was just so sweet. and Anyway, and I told Rachel this, but he just never broke eye contact, and it was <laughs> such a genuine conversation and i was just like yeah i just can't wait to watch you grow and watch what you do in the future and he just kept saying that's you're so sweet you're so sweet and i was like he could tell he was just really taken aback by um,
0: and then she and called like, me I, and i was like uh-huh. this is all great but what did he smell like
2: <laughs> what he he smell like it's smelled clean oh,
0: <laughs> which is God. all i need <laughs>
2: Yeah. And he made Get sure to ask boys in New York. Yeah, he made sure to ask for my name, which I thought was really sweet. And then I was like, okay, have a good time in Austin. And he was like, thank you. I was like, yeah, and then that was it. That was
1: Jazz hands.
0: That was Leanne representing the fandom with applause. Alright, so thank you for telling us this story because now we can proceed to talk about an episode of Team Wolf that once again was Sans, Dylan O'Brien, aka Styled Stilinski, aka my tiny mayonnaise love. But, anyways. He's um, mayonnaise? He's
1: mayonnaise. Mayonnaise that's his name.
0: Mayonnaise Stilinski, that was name.
1: A random
0: mayonnaise yeah. Stilinski and <laughs> Lydia Grace Martin formally invite you. i <laughs> you. Yep.
1: So so, okay,
0: I wanna just start off
1: letting
0: this go. I just wanna start off talking about Lydia guys because we always are like, okay, we'll start with the stuff we didn't like, and then we never get to the stuff we do like. So let's talk about how fucking badass Lydia was in this episode. Rosemary, take it away
3: okay so I know everybody talks about what Lydia wears all the time and I usually am like yeah she's awesome but don't contribute too much to the conversation can I just say that a black top and jeans is like my go to thing and Lydia was wearing a black top and jeans that made me really really fucking happy like happier than I should have been in that moment and also she's a badass and Mm uses psychology as a weapon and I love her
0: her ass looks so good in those jeans yes (laughs) (laughs) Rachel, we're talking about Lydia's clothes, and you're just sitting there silently, and it's weirding me out.
1: Because, uh, like, I had a thought the other night that I was like, man, what if Lydia showed up to the piece, but, like, wearing that exact outfit, because I did love it, truly. I tweeted about it. But she had, like, red lipstick on and had done her hair, and I, like, then got really mad because it didn't happen. <laughs> like, just that little bit of effort to show, like a balance between the Lydia who's very meticulous about her appearance and this new Lydia that's emerging who is more casual with what she wears. Um, but I I loved her in that scene where mm-hmm. <laughs> she starts off by getting, like uh, Rosemary said, with psychological warfare. She gets um, Ms. Monroe off the guard by saying she has a meeting with Miss Martin. knowing that <laughs> Tamora's going to show up thinking that Natalie, her mother, is there. But then she's like, no, I'm Miss Martin. And, because she's not a teach student anymore, so she can do whatever the fuck she wants. And I loved that. And she tries- Cool and confident. She was amazing. She tries just, like, just talking circles around her. And then, uh, like, I think she impresses Monroe so much that Monroe kind of breaks her, like, stoicism and wants to know more about what kind of creature Lydia is, because- I don't know if she specifically like she knows she's a banshee, but she doesn't know like so much what she can do other than like you state and she has some kind of acting power because um you know that was so much of that season, especially. So um I thought that was really cool. I loved that scene. That scene was definitely a
3: high It was a of the wonderful, wonderful scene. Smart Lydia, like calling back to like season one Ice Queen in the best way. Um, this is what I want Lydia to be like In her college classes To be like, yes, not only did I do the reading I wrote like at the asana that I'm ready to go Just to share with you and the world um, She is incredible And this is why Lydia is an amazing character Was that scene She didn't need to depend on anybody else It was all about, yes, I'm a banshee and I'm owning it And I'm smart and I'm owning it And it was about Lydia doing what she does best
0: You're doing amazing, sweetie <laughs> No, she was absolutely, everything that I love about Lydia, she was very, like, calm and collected and on top of the situation, and even towards the end of the scene, when she gets more intense, and she's like, there doesn't have to be a next death, please, nobody else has to die. Like, she's very urgent, but it's this, it's so controlled, and it it is, you're absolutely right, Rosemary, we are seeing... Just the bits and pieces of Lydia coming together, and this is this is the girl that we love. And we've been seeing, we, I, we saw her in 613 too. She was like Ice Queen, and I loved it. And I just want some, I want more Ice Queen Lydia, but I want to also see her compassion all the time. And I love the way this scene balanced that out.
2: You can tell how much she, how far she's grown, obviously, since season one, but she wouldn't be fighting for this, and she wouldn't be pulling so hard to get this peace summit to happen if it weren't for like in her heart and in her mind she knows it's right and that she loves her friends and she wants to protect her friends and she's going to do everything in her power to make sure that happens In that moment where she kind of grabs Monroe's wrist before she gets up you see that like I saw it as like not desperation but like like her last like pleading effort to like get her to even with them you know and like, agree to meet, and that moment kind of took my breath away because I was like, Lydia like wants to save her friends, and like Lydia wants this meeting to happen, and it just like was powerful to me. I don't know.
1: It was absolutely more powerful than her going to save Parrish to house somehow. Yeah, because yeah. I yeah, took, like an enormous amount of strength to do that, uh, to follow Parrish into Eichenhouse when she's fully aware of the danger. Um, but I think just, I don't know, maybe it was the way the scene was shot or written. Like it, this, this one like stood out to me so much more as Lydia really going to the front lines for what she believes in. The yeah. other one was a battle she had to fight for herself, but this one is Lydia fighting for other people in like the next progression, the next step. And I, I, I don't know why, but that spoke to me a little bit more than the I could have scene did.
3: Yeah, agreed. absolutely agreed and I think that even though the Eichenhaus scene was powerful and that she's grown so much that she had to work through her memories of the place to get to the part where she could fight I feel like I think you're absolutely right Leanna that she has grown so much from the beginning into becoming a genuine person who likes herself who accepts that she is part of the supernatural world and owns it yeah she's good at what she does and she's confident about it and I love her and and (laughs) she's wonderful and i think a lot of times the city of fandom is criticized for being like oh people are always like lydia's only strong when she's with someone else that is not
2: fucking true and we all know that that Mm -hmm. scene by herself with monroe was a gift like seeing her hold her own and just be in there and be like she i mean she she achieved what she wanted you know like she got monroe to meet regardless of how that meeting ended up Going, and but... Bill Holtz wrote that scene. I'm mm. <laughs> yeah, well, Like shocking. last time, Rachel had a theory that the
1: dialogue must have been like lovingly repaired <laughs> by somebody else because he's just like whoever writes dialogue in some of his episodes is not good at writing dialogue. I think it's fair to assume it's him, but sometimes pretend
2: Holland it. was like, "No, this isn't Lydia. <laughs> I this <laughs> this is, is imprinted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is garbage." I won't work with this material. This <laughs> is <laughs>
0: not Lydia. I think another Actually, thing that I really loved about that scene was that it felt like Lydia's position in the pack in season three. Like she was very often the go between, um, like to Aiden. Like they would be like, "We need to talk to the other pack," and Lydia, go get Aiden. Like go talk to Aiden. And I really enjoyed feeling like she was using her her wariness and her intelligence and her wits. And just the empathy that she's grown into through the years, to to fulfill that same role, but now as a completely different girl, or like a, an evolved girl, I should say. Um, so there was a sense of pride watching that. Oh God, I just got emotional. I need to. I need to stand down. I'm just so proud of Lydia Martin. I'm gonna. I'm gonna bow out. <laughs>
3: It was the very first scene of this season that felt like this is the last season of Teen Wolf, mm, to be honest. Yeah. Mm. And I I have a lot of problems with the season, arc this season, with the whole, like, fall from grace of the supernatural group. Just because I don't think it's been done very well. Um, and that there haven't been a lot of stakes over them. We like these people because they're sending us, no, we hate them. Um, I don't think there was enough of a transition for that or enough time for us to get used to it, mm-hmm. which is funny because we waste a whole lot of damn time on nothing on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not like, I hate i hate to use this example, it's not like Sherlock where, like, that was a really, really well-executed fall from grace where things were his fault, and you knew things were his fault, and you didn't always trust him. Well, we trust Scott McCall. I would trust Scott McCall with anything. Yeah. How dare you go after Scott McCall? Yeah. So. Because there are no stakes there, I have lots of issues with this season arc, and I don't think it's very well executed. Yeah. Very well executed.
0: Well, I think that that actually we can merge into a different topic, which is the guidance counselor. And going off of what you said, Rosemary, I agree with you. I would totally trust Scott. Like, I know Scott. You know Scott. Rachel knows Scott. Leanne knows Scott. We know Scott. We love Scott. Scott's incredible. But this woman... In that scene with Lydia, when Lydia touches her and she goes, is that how? Is that how you sense who's going to die next? It immediately made me go, oh, she does not know as much as she thinks she knows. Like, this is somebody who genuinely yeah. believes that she's got all the answers and she's fighting to fix the problem that, like, she has established in her head, but it is so rooted in her head and not as rooted in in knowledge and research and in, in understanding of the supernatural. And so I really liked the way that that one moment like drew upon just her lack of understanding of what was going on in her world and what she was trying to destroy.
3: It and yeah. it's the only part that made her seem like a well-written character to me, because she really has felt like a paper... I don't know She She's just There's not much to her As a character I don't think there's yeah. a lot of depth there And I feel like how we not had that flashback And backstory in this episode I wouldn't have really liked her Understood yeah. her and This was the I've first I've been waiting I, for that flashback Same It took yeah. way too long to get to it I feel like we should have had
1: that Two episodes <laughs> mm-hmm. ago I Yeah, I was honestly surprised That they decided to go with something like I mean it was horrifying, but they went with something like it was a chance encounter with the beast that made her hate the supernatural. I wanted there to be more of an investment, you know. Like they had the people she was working with in the tunnels, one of the one of them had like a son who was the victim of the Wendigo. One of them had And, like, they were these, like, much longer, like, simmering fears, but her thing happened, like, six months ago, and, like, now she's getting around to it, and I know that it has to do with, like, the fear demon that's coming in and, like, fucking everybody shit up, but, like, I've I've been waiting for them to tell me what her, like, her backstory was, because Jeff even said, like, you're gonna, like, feel for her once you know what happened to her. Yeah. I only I do, do a little but bit, I think though. I think, but like I think, waiting until like fourteen is too much. Like they put more effort into Theo's pain than they have yet done with Monroe, and Monroe is the main antagonist. Like we didn't get, like, like Theo went through so much angst in season five, and then in season six we find out he's like being tortured by his sisters, like you know, shade and hell or something like that. And Monroe yeah. has had like one the one thing, and I'm just waiting... I don't know. I want to see her take in more from Gerard and evolve into a better villain.
2: I I agree! I have so many issues with her, and I agree with every single thing that's been said, but I also... She's... It's been a while since an antagonist has truly gotten under my skin, and... Mm -hmm the the flashback scene and that whole scene I think just because we know what happened with the beast and we were with Scott McCall every step of the way of that like we know that they were doing everything they could like to save the town mm-hmm. not really I mean they were doing everything to save everyone you know um, but I think it just uh it, it like really got under my skin and I was just like just shut up and hear Scott out like he tried to save you you know. And I think that's what they were wanting in that I was also
1: where... I was also confused about how she seemed so willing to turn on the sheriff's department when they explicitly show sheriff as the one who saved Saving her.
2: Saving her. I thought yes. that was very strange. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought they'd have like, s- a moment where she was exactly. like... But there was nothing. It was just, like, cold. And and maybe cold.
1: that was a missing shot where, like, when she's negotiating with Sheriff and she gives him until midnight to, like, produce. We are venturing in into episode.
0: 615. Spoilers. Sorry,
1: sorry, sorry. sorry. Back it like, up. Back it episode, up. Something happens. <laughs> next episode, something happens where she's talking to Sheriff. And, like, maybe there's a missing shot where there's a moment of, like, come on, remember between them. It wasn't there. And I was no. like. No.
0: What? I like her as the villain, actually. Um, she reminds me of my ugh, beautiful lesbian queen, Jennifer Blake. My bisexual <laughs> that's love. True. I love Jenny Blake because she also really believed in her convictions. And I think that's what we're seeing with Monroe is that... Um, she is very, like, entranced in her own ideals, um, and she truly, deeply believes in what she's doing, and she believes that she is mm-hmm. fighting for something, and she believes that she's saving people, and that, to me, is always really fucking interesting, because, uh, I mean, we, as a society...
1: Oh, that's right, one of the victims, one of the people she was with, his son, was a, a sacrifice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's what the other... It was a direct sacrifice.
0: Yes, you're All right. right. <laughs> um, so... Anyways, so I, I just I fuck I don't remember what I was gonna say anymore. Shit on a tit.
1: She believes in her convictions, and she.
0: Oh, it's always interesting. It's interesting to me because greater good. <laughs> we as a society, like, oh, we are so rooted in like right and wrong and like moral grays. But like, I always I'm fascinated by characters who have a different concept of right than I do because I think that it's so clear and as viewers it's so clear to us like we know Scott we know Lydia we know Liam we know Malia we know they're good people but just trying to comprehend a character that has a different concept of right and wrong than we do that to me is like a real challenge as a viewer and it's what I like about her and it's what I like about just that that's what's crawling under my skin about her character and what I've been really enjoying about this
3: season Going off of that, another character that I disagree with sometimes but really end up enjoying by the end of the episode, Coach. Can we talk yeah. about Coach for a little bit? Oh, yes, so. I would love to. Coach stepped up. So when the whole scene happened where Liam was walking in the team meeting with all those white boys saying you can't be in our team anymore and be our captain, you can't and sit Coach with us.
1: <laughs> This the cross and enti- this like cross group entity like being against Liam has been very has been what's like more fascinating to me is like all the like mm-hmm. this this group of peers who's turning on Liam because it feels so much more pressing yeah. than Monroe because Monroe isn't yet like specifically picking off the main characters like she started last episode with with Brett um but like she oh, hasn't she been going after like our babies yet
2: yeah
3: no but this this team of boys i don't know what it is that that they're really bothering me but like guess they're bothering me because i don't really feel a connection to any of them and they just rub me the wrong way and i feel bad for poor baby Liam, which i can't believe i just said because i hate him sometimes (laughs) in previous seasons and i'm mad that i like him now
1: um but it's just like it's chilling how easily they they've turned and how instantly Liam feels their effects, which is what I think Absolutely. I like about
3: it. And even if I have issues with the way this whole fall from grace story is playing out, because I don't quite see where that transition happened, the execution of it when they, when they've gotten into it is really chilling. Uh, and I think when coach walks in, he's like, wait, who is this kid? Who's the best leader? Who's that? You. Okay. I was really pissed at him. I was like you asshole you're seriously you don't have like any kind of emotional tie to liam or anybody else i watched <laughs> it again later just because i was like wait a second after watching the scene the other scene later where he finds liam and he tells all because he's disgusted by them mm-hmm. you can kind of see his heartbreak in a little bit where he's like oh okay i was really invested in this kid and i'm done caring right now like who is this kid okay yay you yay you like he, there's a moment of, like, resignation that I totally didn't see the first time I watched the scene.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that was like coach, Dish. he's very flippant about showing, like, connections to people until uh, someone, like, really disappoints him. I think that's what his character is. So when Liam says he wants to resign... He's like, you know, sure, who cares? Who's, who cares who's running the lacrosse the team? You know, like, Scott basically had to strong-arm him into picking Liam to be captain anyway, so he's like, yeah, sure, you know, whatever. It's not like Liam's not going to be on the team. Like, blah, 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 anyone can be captain. I think that coach probably thinks that a captain is more or less unnecessary because he's the coach and he's very self-centered. But then when he sees, like, his guys beating up one of their own, he's like, he, like, can't, he can't be flippant about that. It's just, like... It's his line, and they cross it. So I'm Absolutely. hoping he's more of an ally. I'm hoping he's more of an ally on the human side after witnessing that, because that's a lot.
3: Which is kind of like, on my see- like series finale, season finale, like, um, sorry, last season bucket list, I mm-hmm. wanted to see Coach come back and do something that really impressed me somewhere even if it was just a Greenberg joke somewhere I wanted to be like really proud of Coach for a moment and I feel like I got part of that yeah this episode, which made me happy um so now
0: we've talked about Nolan and or like inadvertently talked about Nolan and we've also talked about the other guy who's the head of the who's who's like on the lacrosse team with him who's a new character so let's talk about the third new character who is Quinn played by Lucy Lokin. um Leanne what do you think about Quinn so far
2: um i she's the one sorry she's the one that got shot
0: yes in the head yes. right in the head
2: okay <laughs> isn't it confusing i'm confused sorry, sorry. <laughs> all the episodes are like they both meshed, and i couldn't remember which episode it was understandable right. um, <laughs> she's interesting she's quiet and, like, that seems calculated at the same time, and mm-hmm. I'm just curious as to where she came from, instead of just being like, oh, it's just another random character that's gonna die, yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: What <laughs> interests me about her, she's a friend now, but in the first trailer for the season, she's sitting in the library, and Liam, like, the shot is to make it look like Liam is attacking her. Um, because she specifically said it's her sitting in that shot where Liam is jumping up in the air. Because people saw a girl with like long dark hair and said, Oh "OMG, Allison!" And she said, "Haha, people think I'm Allison, but I'm not." So how are th- I? I want to see like how I. Because I think, like Liam said, I think there's something very calculating about her that makes me not want to trust her fully because oh. she's. As far as as I can recall, because she didn't say anything about it, she is unconnected to Satomi's pack, which is the other pack in the area. So she was just a teenage girl driving through Beacon Hills while they're going through the hugest territory war that could possibly go down and just like knows who Scott McCall is and strolls right into his pack. Like, I am suspicious. I will take up the mantle and I trust no one from (laughs) Styles, Manatee, Stalinsky, and put this girl on blast. But Rachel.
3: Beacon Hills is a beacon. It calls people. It's show. Oh this goddamn
1: show. We
0: woke up the yeah. It doesn't have to
1: be there yet. Yeah. You know, like they, like all the the other new characters that will be showing up this season. I think we're gonna know one hundred percent. Like, I um, don't care um, about um, them. Is that really that? terrible
3: of me that I'm so sick of all these new characters and I don't care? Like, I get it. They want this show to go on forever, in either a reboot or. A- podcast or whatever. I'm Uh, over it.
1: (laughs) I just feel like because we know there are two new werewolves coming in 615 and I think that they have a backstory. (laughs) Um... It's interesting that we get to the end of this episode, and probably the end of the next episode, and we don't know anything about Quinn, other than she was driving through Beacon Hills at night, and mm-hmm. apparently a hunter shot at her, but, like, what if she set up a trap? Like, I'm, I'm, seriously, that's how deep I'm going into thinking about this, because I'm like, where did you come from? Who are you?
0: Where did you go? Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? How do you
1: know about Cotton Eye Joe? About- how do you know about call? I mean, I understand. Everyone's. What if she's you. a hail? We don't but know. I want to know who your
0: referral is. Don't play that, Leanne. That is a dangerous thing to say. Exactly. <laughs> what if she's
1: hail game? Leanne,
0: you cannot just like, throw that out there.
1: <laughs> that's like 100% the other thing, though. Like, 100%, I have been. I, I'm like. Uh, so is she a hail? Is she yeah. a secret. Like, who was you know bitten or born, and now she's coming back to Beacon Hills like for one side or the other. And they find something out about her, and that's why Liam's attacking her. Like she is so fascinating, but yeah. so shady. She's like she's got she's pinging all the same sensors that we, like that Theo did when he showed up, and we were wondering what's going on.
0: Well, here's my thing about her, and this is. This isn't technically important, but I'm just going to say this. She is not as bad of an actress as the other newbies that they cast this season. And indeed, I would go as far as to say she's a better actress than Hayden. Um, Hayden. Just that thrown... And so... Wh- Which
1: is fascinating because she's very embarrassing in real life, too.
0: So like, <laughs> Oh, jeez. Lucy is. <laughs>
1: Yes, she used to title, put Jake Paul's name in all of her YouTube videos because she's a YouTuber. And oh, I don't know if she actually, like, knew him or was friends with him, but she be like, OMG, title, Jake Paul, continue title, and to get views, like... Uh, okay. She's embarrassing. She's as embarrassing as Andrew Matazaro and his Instagram photo shoots and Troy and, well... Roy.
3: <laughs>
1: I don't like all of these new characters. I don't
3: like the group. <laughs> of guys. Like, yeah. <laughs> You're fine. I don't like them. I don't think they make sense. I would rather see interesting characters from the past come back yeah. back. Bring back Jenny Blake. Bring back to I mean she's
1: she's both of them are coming back eventually, but neither of them bring back I care. Are you have liking them
2: though? That's it? my big question. Like are we supposed to? Are we supposed to like them? Because I it hate feels them all. like I feel like we are just
3: like we were supposed to like two point and it took me two fucking seasons to start to enjoy them, and we had to have some like I don't know trimming of them because we didn't want to look at Hayden anymore and some minimal Corey. There was not a lot of Corey in this episode, and I was
1: not mad and at Corey it. Corey was funny and like a good way in This episode, yeah. like yeah. him and Lee, physical I comedy in episode, of, I guess. Him, Liam, yeah, and Mason's comedy of the two of them being invisible. Well, that Mace's was funny. Like, nothing to see here, walking through the hallway. Like, that was funny. That was the yeah. that was good humor.
3: Do you know who's growing on me? And I'm fucking pissed I'm saying this. Jordan Parrish is growing on me. Girl! Jordan Parrish okay. is I, I know. <laughs> hear me out, hear me out. Parish isn't bothering me as much and that pisses me off. Because he instead of bumbling around, being like, "Oh, why am I here? I'm so confused by what I'm doing. I'm here, and now I'm on fire." <laughs> he actually is. <laughs> that's literally what he's been doing for several seasons now. He literally is like, "Oh, I'm afraid of something. I'm afraid of why this is happening. I'm afraid of my role in this." And I think because we're seeing yeah. he doesn't understand what his motivation is, he's becoming a more interesting character to me.
2: Honestly, he's afraid less. Yeah, that's on nice. Like, I less. thought it was. That was badass when he just walked straight up to the whatever thing and just set it on fire. Why was he holding that a
0: flare? Like, Parrish life on fire on his own thing volition. I
2: didn't get. That was like the
1: most Will Wallace thing I've ever seen. Was that, <laughs> that too, Jordan but... Parrish can self immolate and he holds a flare?
0: Yeah, <laughs> he's like Maybe for he Motel California.
1: Oh really my god! No yes, man, I got
3: Leanne. I got Leanne to laugh.
1: They were trying to clean out the props
3: department, and we're like, "Oh, we have these flares left over from Hotel California. Uh-huh. You gotta use them somewhere." <laughs>
1: Shut up, your ass. That's it, what they Werewolf Viagra. That's all. Or <laughs> Viagra. That's all was, that? Was sometimes you just can't get it up.
0: Can you but believe it, that we were trying so hard to literally compliment Parrish and we ended up at Hellhound <laughs> Viagra.
1: It's what he deserves. Actually he deserves to not be on the show, but like it's what he will get. That too. Yep. But like But like the best thing for this episode was seeing Lydia and Malia and Scott like on equal footing this entire time. Mm. Yeah. Lydia and Malia were badass together. Lydia like going to Monroe as the ambassador then Lydia and Malia showing up as the muscle for Scott when he tries to go as the ambassador. That was the kind of stuff that we've been waiting for. We want to see them 100% backing each other up. No more do we believe you. No more is this really happening. They are 100% on the same page, and every action, we see them talk about it beforehand. The
3: fight oh. scenes have been pretty good so far this season, too. Like, and I i know I said this last time I was on the show, that um, I love that Scott has so many friends that are girls, Mm-hmm. And I think it makes him awesome because he respects them and their opinions and because he's he's got call and he's wonderful. And it was awesome. And at one point, they just showed up to be back up. But I love that
0: theater
1: <coughs> <Feeder> kid. <coughs> but like that conversation, like Rachel said, when you have people who disagree with you on ideology, like Malia and Lydia clearly disagree on the, the killing in the name of war thing, even though like Lydia did kill that Eichenhaus doctor to save Parrish. Like, they're they're clearly, like, they don't want to... Like, Lydia doesn't quite want to pull the trigger yet, but Malia's like, we're going to have to. And then Arjun is like, you may have to. And we see in that scene, like, Scott's being conflicted. And then he goes to <laughs> sees Monroe, and he gets her perspective, and he's like, this is still really hard.
0: Yeah. No, and Scott's going to have to... <laughs> make a concrete decision at some point and I'm interested to see how that goes because I don't believe they're gonna have Scott himself kill anyone because I don't think that we're gonna end the season, the series with him not being a true alpha. Um but yeah, I oh my god. Okay, speaking of Scott, how much did you love the scene with him and Liam when he's like trying to get Liam to go to school? And Liam's like,
3: Dad, no I love dad I love Dad Scott. And I I miss it maybe I miss styles and it was oh. I mean I think they've done a good job of making me not miss Styles this season. I mean, I always miss him. But, like, as far as, like, there were moments that it felt like he should be there and he wasn't, I love when Scott and Styles are Liam's dads. It makes me happy, and
2: I miss it a little bit.
0: Seemsies.
2: And I saw it somewhere else. This wasn't from my own brain, but I saw somewhere that somebody had said you can tell that, like, every all the analogies that Scott gives to Liam, like, he's obviously gotten from Styles. Yeah. Like. The Captain oh, America, yeah. Or and comic Kira. Like Spider-Man and Liam's like, no, that's not what Captain America does. Scott's like genuinely like, <laughs> very confused. And I just Beauty. loved, I loved that
0: a lot. All right, so overall, I feel like this episode of City of Cast has been pretty positive. Um, so let's go into our well, red so string ratings.
1: Because his directing was good. Yes. You say. Yes. It was very like horror
3: movie-esque mm. in a way. That it, it, like, focused on the shadows and the jump scares, but not mm-hmm. in, like, a... More a thriller than a horror. More thriller than a horror.
1: Uh, the I thought it was The right close-ups yeah. that we got were impactful. And not in just the zoom-in last punchline kind of way, but, like, a pay-attention kind of way.
3: Yes, and the music worked really well with it, too. It, it, it was a very, very well-executed episode. Shout-out to Rachel's wife, Laura. <laughs>
0: Hey, guys, if you didn't know, um, Meg Bonnie on Twitter, who writes for Pure Fandom, did an interview with Laura Webb, who is the music supervisor for Teen wolf She gave us all the songs we frickin' adore, um, and I loved this interview. I read it a couple times, because I was so happy. She said stuff like, she thinks that, she thinks that, like, she thinks about what the characters would listen to when she's picking songs, um, which killed me. She she's- said... So cool. Oh, oh. So cool. She said that her favorite songs are My Own by Whitaker and Ava by Fammy, which are some of, I know, fandom favorite songs, and they they have the same emotional connection to her as they do for us, so that's pretty incredible. All right, we're going to do our red string ratings. Leanne, um, since you are a red string rating newbie, we rate the episode for one string, to five strings, Um, and let's see, last week... A lot of us, every single person rated 613 three strings, so if that gives you any sort of indication about, and for almost everybody on the podcast, season four is either a 2 or a 1.5, so that should give you kind of an indicator. Um, so, with really? that in mind...
3: That's funny, I tend to rate much lower than that, because I'm an asshole.
0: Rosemary, why don't you give us your rating first?
3: I'm going to give this a 3.5, because I was Whoa. very impressed overall. I think there's room to grow, and that there wasn't a Stydia makeout scene. That's the only way you can get a 5. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I have other criteria. Um, I think this was a very, very well-done episode as a single episode, that there was a lot to really enjoy. I still have some issues with the overall plot of this season, and I don't think this did a whole lot to make me like that better, but there are individual characters that I really enjoy how they are portrayed here that I don't always enjoy. 3.5. Oh.
0: Okay, Rachel, what's your rating?
1: 3.3 3 repeating. <laughs> 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 um, because basically for a lot of the things that Rosemary said, uh, that there were pieces that were very enjoyable, there was lots of surprisingly enjoyable moments, mm-hmm. but, um... For an episode that's supposed to be, like, part of the, like, you know, the turning point climax of the series ending, uh, I was a little, like, let down by some of the things that I wanted that we got, uh, so. And yeah. also, I just, I can smell Wallace is writing from a mile away, but yeah. it does not smell good. <laughs> <laughs> Again,
3: he's that community theater guy who thinks he's amazing, and then you go to see his show, and you're like, hmm, your one throne is not that good, I'm sorry, and <laughs> oh. you shouldn't be that part.
0: We all know that guy. My rating for this episode is also a 3.3 along with other Rachel. Um, I thought that the lighting was bright, which was I was hugely appreciative of. Um, but the fascinating. lighting. But very
1: fascinating. No matter
0: how bright the lighting was, it could not outshine the beauty and brilliance that is actual Ice Queen Lydia Martin. I love my girl, I love my baby girl. She did such a good job. Scott was such a daddy pie in this episode. Um <laughs> I didn't hate Corey, um, the only thing that was a huge letdown for me in this episode was that the, the bio teacher who I loved is now, like, you can go beat up Liam, and I'm like, you know what, this is some real bullshit right here, like, I loved this teacher, and I thought that she was exactly the kind of, like, I'm not taking any shit type teacher that these kids needed, I thought she was, like, mm-hmm. this teacher who, like, everybody- Just a hard ass. Yeah, just, just a hard, hard ass, ass. <laughs> and, like, a, a likable hard ass.
3: That, that she reminded me of like when you're on facebook and you see your elementary school teacher who you really really admired post shit on facebook that's racist and terrible and you're like i respected you yeah
0: mm-hmm. yeah and i wanted her to be exactly. like your elementary school teacher who's like you find them on facebook and they're like a bleeding liberal and you thought they were a hard ass and you were like whoa but then it turns out that they're not posting racist shit at all they just post a lot of pictures of their dogs like that's who i wanted her to be and then she turned out to be the other kind of what is this fresh bullshit? So anyways, I'm upset about that and I'm always going to be kind of salty is about favorite. it. My favorite
2: point 3.3. I 3.3 I ever alone.
3: <laughs>
0: anyways, Leanne, please tell us your beautiful red string rating.
2: Red string rating. Yeah. Um I'm going to say my red string rating is also a 3.5 based solely on the fact that this whole season I've been just like I've been excited to sit down and watch it, but at the end I'm just like, okay great another (laughs) episode and then this this episode and the next episode um I finished each one and was like all right let's get to the next one that that was great um so I really did like it and uh with what we were talking about earlier I don't care for the way that they're setting up a lot of the plot lines, but with the way that they're being executed, I think has been really well done. Like, especially with Liam, um, and his whole Clark Kent, uh, little storyline this episode, I thought was so good. And I, my heart broke for him and I was just like, you've come so far just mm-hmm. in this one episode somehow. Um, not going to question it, but <laughs> 3.5 based solely on like, also that you could see the characters. <laughs> And the lighting, which is so much better than it had Like, It was
1: truly a marvel to behold, because we actually could behold it.
2: Yeah, it's true. And was like, listen, I'm on Twitter, and I know... (laughs) I I, see things. I know that they know that we have lights, so let's use them. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, guys,
0: thank you so much for recording with me. I loved talking about this episode with you. I thought it was a really fun episode, and... Next week, we are having a special episode of Citycast. We are doing City Cast International. So everybody who's on the podcast with me is going to have some type of accent. Because they are not going to be American. Um, so tune in to hear Pretty Voices. But of course, you have heard. And then Rachel. You have heard, from and then Massachusetts. And then me. Sorry, guys. I'm from New England. Everything that I say sounds incredibly harsh, and I apologize. Um, anyways, um, but in the meantime, these beautiful voices were.
3: Hi, I'm Rosemary. I'm from Central Pennsylvania. We have sing-songy voices. I feel like we have like talk about our dialects now. I'm um, row your boat on Tumblr. <laughs>
1: I'm Rachel, I'm from Connecticut, and we always say we don't have an accent, but apparently that's not true, and I'm, it's is Lydia on Tumblr.
2: <laughs> and I'm Leanne, and I'm Lumos on Tumblr, and I uh, have been told that I don't sound like I'm from Texas, so You don't. that's good.
0: All right, and I'm Rachel, I'm Ron Gassim on Tumblr, and all the way from Massachusetts, I can't wait to see you next week. Bye!
3: Use protection! Every time! the basement. Catch y'all
0: later. Thank you for listening to Stidia Cast. If you enjoyed our show, please follow us on Tumblr and Twitter for more updates and ways you can get involved. If you want your voice to be heard on this podcast, you can email us at cityacast at gmail.com, send a message to cityacast.tumblr.com, or tweet us at citya_cast. underscore cast. Thank you to Lauren of Fine Skyline for sponsoring this season of Cityacast, and to you, our listener, for tuning in. Remember, we love you.